0: Okay, so hello friends and family and all new listeners. Thank you so much for using your time to listen to This Is Fine, a mental health-based podcast that is as much about its topics ranging from trauma to self-improvement as it is about its tangents. As many listeners know, my primary source of inspiration are black, brown, and African women. This is rooted in witnessing my mother, a colored woman from Namibia, stand up for what is fair and what is right my guest and collaborator today contributes to my life in her mission of service whenever i see her work i am reminded of the almost tangible feeling of peace i felt when we were in the same physical space she moves through the world with a fierce sense of grace that helps me make sense of the world because she is such a giver educator and an uplifter of her community welcome and hello my dear friend
1: Thank you so much for that introduction, um, Ivor. I love you so much. Um, Hello, everyone. My name is Gabrielle Dawn. And it is my pleasure and honor to be a part of this amazing podcast and for Ivor to share you with me as his audience. I'm I'm deeply moved, so I'm so excited.
0: Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do?
1: Yeah, so I... um, I'm one of those people where it's almost like, gee, what don't I do? And that's only because I'm, <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur and, um, and a humanitarian. So whenever you're in that line of work, you almost have to be able to do everything. So um, I am a director for a nonprofit in Uganda by the Tiona Children's Foundation. It's an international 501c3. Um, I am a yoga instructor and mindfulness teacher a life coach, a wellness advocate, I'm a certified herbalist, and um, continuing my studies in herbal uh, and indigenous medicine. I am a spoken word artist and speaker. So that's just, that's my main jam. I've recently been exploring other gifts and talents, but those are my main jams.
0: Yeah, your main jam. I really do remember the first time I heard you speak, I was moved to a degree that I haven't been when I listen to other people talk. I don't know how to explain this. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. like you see a speaker on TEDx and okay, sure, that's, you know, it's inspiring, it's moving. But to be in that same physical space, you feel that that emotion and that in that uh, intent a lot stronger, I guess. At least that m- was my connection from your work. Um, our topic today is centered around a-, a kind of realization that I've had about how self-care has connections to toxic positivity um, because I found that oh. a lot of my mental health care kind of contained like this this um, internal dialogue of positive affirmations. So... Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to explore that notion with you. So uh, could you define for us what you think self-care means or what does self-care mean to you and in your space?
1: Uh, Self-care for me is self-accountability. So it's the accountability to truly take care of, tend to nurture, grow, respect, and honor yourself. So self-care for me is deeper than, you know, Um, just kind of those things that we do, we see, oh, self-care Sunday, I'm going to get a mani-pedi, or I'm taking a bubble bath. Those are all great things, um, you know, to take part in, but self-care for me is self-accountability. It's you taking your power back or taking hold of your power and honoring yourself and saying, what do I need? And tending to your needs, um, what do I because what we need doesn't always necessarily feel great in the moment, right, um, but tending to those needs um, so that we can be who we are supposed to be, so that's just kind of like the tip of the iceberg for me, but yeah, it's definitely self-accountability.
0: I love that you use that, that, that um, phrase, self-accountability, and also like What stood out for me is what you said about like what we need may not be always what feels good. That is so true. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So like for most people, like and also for me, when I first became aware of this notion of self-care is that it is an incredibly broad term, just like you said, like the tip of the iceberg where a lot of people, you know, see it as like the like you said, the self-care Sunday you sleep in or maybe engage in some writing, meditation, a spa day, like you said, closet purge. Whatever it is that people do to make them feel like they have more agency or control over their space and their life. But I think it, it also extends into your spirituality, your um. Physical being, your sexuality, your your social um, responsibility—all these things encompass um, self-care, and I think it's important for us to pay attention to the areas that lack attention, those areas that make us feel uncomfortable. Right? Is there anything specific that you do to center yourself um, in a space where you you feel you're losing control? <laughs> if that makes sense.
1: Ooh, that is a very good question. I um so I will give you an example of like things that are happening in real time. Um, so I was having some some trouble, not trouble, but just just some strife, um, career wise, and um, you know, having certain interactions that were just it was stressful because I wasn't liking uh, the environment, not just for myself, because I'm, I'm relatively comfortable, but I was seeing, um, you know, the environment and how it was impacting my peers and coworkers and other, other staff and things like that. And so I had to take a leave of absence, right. Mm. Um, and just kind of sit with some things and say, all right, what do I, what do I need to do? Because I'm, I'm beginning to get too, too emotionally, like, drained from this situation. It's taking too much from me. Um, and I'm starting to feel like I'm just emotionally spiraling. I um, And so I took that, that step back and I said, okay, so let me get back to me. Let me reassess what I want for my career, for myself, um, professionally. What, what do I want for my family? You know, I have a small daughter. I'm partnered now. Um, and my partner has children. So, you know, for my blended family, what do I want for us? You know, and and that was something that, uh, we were just talking about. And so I was like, okay, um, now that I've taken a step back, um, let me write out some kind of, some game plan, some goals, um, what do I need? What do I want? Um, and come up with a plan. On how to do that so um, for me it's about taking that step back um, assessing what is worth what what you may need to um, you know learn to cope with what do you need to learn to let go of what do you maybe need to fight you know because some things you do have to fight and sometimes you do have to it's just a matter of discerning when and where and how to do so so that's what I've um, you know, just been doing here in real time. It's just taking the time to assess and then from there to plan and to follow through.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I like the, the part where you said that you write it out specifically <coughs> because there is so many things that you deal with that we deal with um, and not even talking about like People with intersectional identities. Like to try and have that all in your mind, in your heart, in your body space does take up so much and can cause a lot of anxiety and stress. And writing it out as a plan does help physically, does help your brain and your spirit make sense of things, right?
1: No, I was just thinking because, you know, I came back to work and there were two young ladies who had a similar story or, you know, just. Miss Gabby, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what, you know, to do with my life right now. I'm just kind of, I wake up, I go to work, I eat, and I sleep, and that's it. And, um, you know, but I, I know that I want more. I don't necessarily know how to get it or what to do. And I asked both of them, like, well, what do you like to do? And they, I don't know. So I'm like, okay, what are you curious about? What are you what are things that you maybe want to learn? Um, and let's let's talk about that. So we kinda of just talked a little bit and I told them I'm gonna give you homework. I want you to journal. And I said, I don't I don't necessarily think that you need to unless you feel compelled to write pages upon pages. But I was explaining to them that just writing things down to get them out of your head it's so significant and impactful whenever you are just maneuvering through life not even necessarily needing a, a major change or a major shift but just being able to dump all of that out of your head because I told uh, one of them I said sometimes I'll start writing and I don't even know what is going on it's just words are coming out and then something makes a little sense and then there's a little something here and then by the end of it I'm like oh, okay this is why I was feeling this way was because this happened and at this one. So it just helps you to put it all down. So you're able to look at what is in your mind. You can see it tangibly, right? You can explore those, you know, thoughts or those memories or those, whatever, um, you know, individually, and it'll help you compartmentalize, and say, okay, now I know I can deal with this maybe here. Let me take time to deal with this there. And I remember, I think it was one of your first podcasts um, that I listened to and you were talking about clutter and decluttering and how you have to take your time and spaces. If you have a whole house to clean, right, um, you may want to just start with one room, right? And if it's a big room, start in one section, And that's what journaling and just writing things out help people to do truly.
0: I I don't know how to explain the the amount of like uh, elation I feel to hear someone understand we write to make sense of the world, to make sense of ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's as simple as that. Another thing that you said just a moment ago is sometimes self-care also means that you decide when to fight because there are things that you have to fight for. And um, mm-hmm. I work in an environment that is predominantly straight white men. And just by me saying that sentence, you can already know where I can go with this. <laughs> 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 and um, they are mostly of American or European or, you know, I mean, I mean, white European. So, um but where they come from, like either uh, UK or Australia or um, America, one other South African guy. But to have just like their casual microaggressions around me and, and me deciding to call it out, but then to be the only person in a group of people who understand this, who who like, let's say, for example, one guy told me that black people in America have privilege. I nearly, I nearly climbed up the wall or for him to tell me that, (laughs) (laughs) or for him to tell me that, um, yeah, six weeks is enough for a woman to know whether she's pregnant. I, I'm trying to, 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 to express what I feel without going into too much detail But for this person to come to me and tell me that, oh, you don't know what women feel like. I'm like, yeah, but I do understand the science and the biology of pregnancy. And I do understand um, from an empathetical view uh, what women feel like. I could never possibly understand what it's actually like to live as a black woman or a black person in America. Because the context of South Africa, very different, but has some um, Mm -hmm. similarities uh, but at the end yeah. of the day, this person telling me that, basically telling me that I'm being reverse racist when I call him out on his microaggressions, got me so angry that I didn't know where do I pick up the fight and where do I do I protect my mental health. You know what I mean?
1: Right. So, right.
0: it's a hard discernment to I- make.
1: Yeah, it definitely is, especially, um, ooh, child. <laughs> yeah, that, that can be a tough one. Um, I think that what I have just learned to do in general as far as dealing with microaggressions, or I like to call them attempted microaggressions, because you really are not going to get very far um, on that with me, Yeah, is... Um, uh, because I tell people like you're passive aggressive or microaggressive, but I will lean into aggressive aggressive and not aggressive in the sense of like rah rah making a scene or anything like that, but just being very direct and assertive. Well, what do you mean by that?
0: Right. Right.
1: Not not. It's not going to be an awkward laugh. It's not going to be a well, well or, you know, maybe it's not up for discussion what exactly did you mean by that? Or let me go ahead and did this and end this right here. We're going to close and finish this. Right. And so for me, that's how I, and, you know, thankfully so, I, I haven't had to deal with as many as I've gotten older. I've just learned that I think that that's something that people have to is it It really just is you learning yourself and how you deal with things and what triggered you and how you react when you are triggered. Those things happen sometimes and they'll take you back and you're like, hold on now, let me get you together. But is it really where For me, I'm like, a lot of people with these microaggressions um, do not care to be educated. They do not care about the facts. They don't care about any of that. They just want to be microaggressive. So... You, in that moment, letting them know, like, well, that's fine, that that's what you want to do, but you can not and will not. Um, you can save that for your brunches um, <laughs> <laughs> amongst your, you know what I mean, your like-minded folks, um, but it's going to end here, and I'm not going to have that discussion with you, and I think that even there's power in letting people know that, oh, yeah, this isn't up for discussion. It's just a no, you know? yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that I've learned uh, with the fighting aspect
0: of it. Yeah, it makes sense because I've also learned that, you know, me calling out things in an environment that makes that I'm the only one and there's four or five or whatever, however many people around me that don't see how it's a problem. Then in that space, I'm the one that looks like the one that's causing problems. If, for instance, mm-hmm. for me pointing out that uh, celebrating Thanksgiving is kind of racist because the the, the whole system is rooted in racism um, and then mm. I said well Native American people have almost nothing to be thankful for and then the one guy goes well you gotta be thankful for something and then everyone else laughs exactly <laughs> <It's, wow>. <laughs> so I was like yeah I know where I am now and I don't belong in this space at all and Right, That was just the choice I had to make for my, for my mental health, I guess.
1: Right. I think um, whenever you said I don't belong in this space, that is power. Because I feel like um, we, as black people and even other people of color, um, in certain spaces, we want to feel like, well, I'm going to take up space because this is my God-given right. And while, you know, you should be able to take up space, you absolutely should, uh, is, is it worth it? I tell people I would not want to belong or be in a firm where I'm the only black woman and everybody else is a open or closeted racist. Like, how stressful is that? Or even working in male-dominated fields um, is stressful enough. You know, so it's like, wow, we we fight, of course, for representation. Um, so, you know, when we talk about having a seat at the table, I think that there's, you know, there's a fine line um, of what is necessary and then what is us just fighting to be included because we just feel like that's our right. You know, when it's like, well, is it going to be a benefit to us? Um, and if so, then that means we need to diversify it Um, you know, systemically, right? Not just to be forcing our way into these spaces and conversations. And that's why I'm like, even sometimes you see um, these hateful threads on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram. And as a black woman, you say so much slander about black women. And I'm just like, I tell, don't send me nothing like that. Do not send me that. Um, I'm not going to entertain it. I'm not going to, I'm protecting my And for What, why would I hop in the comments, defending fighting against the wind, against people that have no desire to see me as, um, you know, valuable or worthy or whatever, whenever I know who I am, I know what I am. I know what I contribute to this world and to my community and to the people around me, um, to my partner, to my children. So, you know, that's, that's what I tell people like is, Is it really necessary that you're taking up that space? Like, that's what we have to really... Why do I want to take up this space? You know, and is it necessary? And I feel like that will save you so much peace.
0: Honestly, that is so true because I started feeling like, no, like, I I should be able to take space with these people and I should be able to say things. And then when, when I stand up for myself or stand up for women or stand up just for... Just the general uh, kindness, not kindness, I would say the general um, lack of, of awareness of their own words. Then I'm told, like, oh, you should like pull them aside and tell them in private. But I'm like, but the microaggressions happened in public, Mary. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why, that is part right. of oppression, is for me to go do it behind mm-hmm. closed doors, but you insult me or insult a group of people just so willy nilly. Okay.
1: Right. Yeah, but...
0: Right. Um, yeah, I've learned to to take myself out of the space and, and fight battles that are... I guess that could have more of an impact and not just
1: one person. Right. Right. Yeah. And whenever you said fight battles that would have more of an impact, that's the mentality. Like, all right, this is a battle, but if this is... Okay, in some battles, you know you lose, um, because you know it's a part of the war and all of that. But if if I'm just fighting a bunch of losing battles because I'm not being strategic, I'm not educating myself, I'm not putting myself in alignment with the right um, people and resources and spaces to really impact change, and I'm just ar- arguing with people, and who has time for that? Yeah, who has time? So that's why I'm like and like i said some of these, uh, a lot of these people they know better they love throwing stats around and everything like that so you can read you know what it is um but your cognitive dissonance your internalized um you know what whatever it is uh racism or uh, misogyny or anything like that that's in, where you're comfortable you don't have a desire to step outside of that. Um, and I'm not going to, um, to, yeah, to waste my time having a conversation with you whenever, what I'm trying to do really right now is, uh, you know, affect the system and enlighten the, you know, a system. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially if you are, have the, um, intersectional identity and you, and you, um, do struggle with things like trauma, um, Uh, generational trauma vicarious trauma like for most people with only one identity it's it's a it's a different it's a different space of being human that we that we occupy so it's very hard for them to see a point of view that they have no experience in um and it kind of feels like i'm forcing my under my viewpoint on them um by being aggressive when i argue mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. yeah it's a it's a very difficult space to be in but uh, what you said uh just reminds me of i mean it, it just made me think of what you said earlier um self-care and choosing the battles that you need to fight that you want to fight um because losing battles all the time is really not healthy for your <laughs> your self-care i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> right you it's should like, win sometimes and then
1: sometimes <laughs> right um, I feel like whenever you yeah put yourself in those spaces like you just run yourself ragged so yeah I agree
0: yeah and I was feeling ragged so I was like, you know what it's just best for me to be um, to just not spend time in that space or go hang out with other people with a with a I guess a more um, diverse, <laughs> diverse background i guess um (laughs) so i want to um get us into the notion of toxic positivity um and Mm. do you know anything about toxic positivity
1: so what my understanding of toxic positivity is is in the sense of where you don't even acknowledge um the the struggles that someone else may be going through and you're just like well if you just manifest a little harder if you just affirm in your spirit a little harder the law of attraction will guide you and you will get everything like it's it's that sickening um dialogue that has people burning candles and Incense into the moonlight, and with no actual spiritual or mental health tools and resources, they just think if they say it enough and believe it hard enough that it will be so, and um yeah, there's a a whole lot more that goes into it than that.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. It's it's just that let like, that complete um unawareness or disregard of someone else's struggle, and I think personally that toxic positivity will become kind of a buzzword. So like, I think in the last decade and more specifically with the combination of events that was 2020, there have been a lot more visibility to the atrocious human behavior that we inflict upon each other. So we saw the resurgence Mm -hmm. of the civil rights movement, which was, in my opinion, isn't something that should ever stop moving. Um, We saw that climate change has literally frozen over you know, Texas er, in early 2021, as you can attest to. (laughs) Um, And like the systems of democracy is quickly crumbling in countries that were colonized. And then the Mm -hmm. pandemic has also caused a lot of division, hate, violence among people the world over. So it just gives truth to how pressure reveals who you are. But in the space where we all share a certain amount of... uh, uh beingness we we test our characters in sort of unison um the Mm self-care and and mental health then has become an uptick where we're like okay i'm in my home i need to take care of myself it's become like a a trend for people to um to 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 Mm -hmm. to use the word self-care and mental health i mean it's kind of like a small part as to why my podcast exists is because i've been um, made more aware and because of the visibility of our atrocious behavior. But at the same time, we've also been made visible of our kindness. And um, I do think that when we inevitably experience a downturn of this idea of mental health awareness and self-care, that we might see an uptick in the term um, toxic positivity. Have you ever personally been like, behaved in, like, toxic positive, toxic pos- positivity, that kind of behavior?
1: I think I was... So I had these different moments just in my life where I was, you know, just, like, every person, deeply struggling with just different things. And I'm like, it's... The math is not math thing. Like, I'm doing... <laughs> everything that I'm supposed to do and more. Why is this happening? Why can't it just... So I think that it impacted me in a way where it was, it made me very hypercritical of myself. Um, and then once I just kind of became, be, you know, just became more aware of how things work um, in life is whenever I was learning to extend myself grace and say, well, you can't just, get that. that's not how this works in short. You know, thankfully, I've I, like I say, I've been on this journey of learning to extend grace to myself and to other people. Um. So, I but I definitely see it, too. and I and I know that, you know, on on one end, there's a lot of people where their heart is in the right place because, you know, it's like, well, you know, you gotta look at things on the brighter side, and I'm like, you know, and while that may be true, you you always do want to look at things on the brighter side uh, well, you also have to look at things as what they are. Yes. So oh. that way you can get the resources that you need to get and do what you need to do to get where you want to be. It's like, and, and, you know, you made a point whenever you said it's almost like a trend of people talking about self-care and mental health and all these other things. And, and it's so true. And I tell people, like, you know, when we talk about mental health, people only ever want to talk about depression and anxiety. Yeah. Right? They don't want to talk about PTSD. They don't want to talk about bipolar disorder. They don't want to talk about schizophrenia. The only thing they ever want to talk about is depression and anxiety. And truth be told, at some point or another in your life, m- most people, I know I have a stat for it, but I don't have it right now, um, on the top of my mind. But most people are going to go through a season of either one of those, just if you live long enough, yeah. right? You're going to lose somebody. You're going to experience, you know, um, a decent amount of stress. Um, so you're going to experience those on some level, most likely, right? So, of course, that's something that's a little bit easier for us to talk to. And, you know, it's, it's not so um, taboo and... And things like that. But all these other mental health issues, people still struggle with demonizing. And that's why I'm like, well, are you really a mental health advocate? And do you really, you know, know what it is that you're talking about Um, with a lot of these folks? um, And yeah, so that's just kind of one of my, you know, or some of my thoughts, rather. Yeah. On, uh, you know, how we treat mental health. And even um, they always, people will always talk about, you know, go to therapy and doing this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, everybody cannot afford a therapist. Oh, yeah. Baby, everybody's insurance does not cover that. So I'm like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, I was going to therapy for, it's been almost two years. I've been going consistently. It's been a, you know, a great deal of help to, for me today, just helping me compartmentalize um and you know and inventing and kind of just learning to assess things differently. So excuse me, but again, that's me that's a, that's a, a privilege. That's not something that everybody, um, especially in the States, I'm not sure um, you know, what it's like uh in, in too many other countries, even though I've lived in some and visited some, but I haven't studied that extensively. But I know that a lot of people that need those mental health resources and even want them don't really have access to them. Um, so that's another thing where people are like, you just need to go to therapy or, you know, every, you know, and I'm like, you know, that's, that's more of a privilege, not necessarily something that everybody has access to. And, you know, you have to, um, that's another form of toxic positivity when you think about it. to saying that you just should go out and get something. Um, just because yeah, it it could be a solution and it does sound good, but does that person have access to that?
0: Yeah, and when
1: you look at how many people live below the poverty line in this country, you know, therapy is gonna be a that's a that's considered a luxury.
0: It is, Oh my gosh, even here in Korea, like therapy isn't covered by your the national health insurance at all. every every country needs, I would I would almost say, a degree of free therapy for at least one or two sessions a month or six a year or something like that you know yeah
1: um
0: yeah. but just circling back to trends and like you know how trends evolve out of indications that people were deconstructing internalized issues like women in fashion back in the 1800s were um uh, started to wear what was considered masculine clothing um in the space Why? when they were uh, facing issues of oppression and although like a lot mm-hmm. of this history that I could find was very much written by the Caucasians but it is also a, a, a noteworthy example of how um, uh, feminist movements came from being oppressed. The civil rights came from mm-hmm. being oppressed and um, mm-hmm. and realizing your your traumas, your internalized traumas and so i think the reason that the trend for mental health and self-care has has come about is because we were put in 2020 in the right conditions for people to notice their own stuff we were given space with our with people with their kids people by themselves people Mm -hmm. having we don't have work so much to distract you or or the everyday commute or things like that like when you start realizing or start Mm -hmm. thinking about stuff that's more important than Then i don't want to say more important but you have more space to think um and and also because people spend time on social media and there was this visibility of mental health like a better help or or all these online um counselors and all this kind of stuff that that came about um and people started to engage in the practice of mental health right
1: right
0: so i think it's that that trend of like starting to look at your own traumas that has given um, open up space for mental health Um, I know that Mm -hmm. you practice yoga can you tell me why you practice yoga
1: yeah so um, I started practicing yoga in 2016 and I initially started because I was like you know um, I used to work out a lot just go to the gym child. I was in there like swimwear and i was like you know i just had my uh, surgery on my my left foot um maybe no i had a surgery on my left foot that maybe a couple years before then and i already had an operation on my right foot and i had my third wrist surgery um and i was just like my body i just can't lift weights the way that i want to and what i used to do so let me try something else so I was like, okay, yoga, I was, you know, relatively kind of familiar with it from a generalized standpoint, and I didn't necessarily know if it would be, I guess, appropriate for me to practice yoga because I wasn't, like I say, yet super familiar with it, and I wasn't sure if it was more of a religious practice versus a, you know, what it is, mind, body, spirit, and all of that. So I didn't want to, like, impose myself. Right. So um, Mm. I learned a little bit more about it. And I was like, okay, this seems like, you know, kind of what I need, something that's going to help me, mind, body, spirit. So I went to my first yoga class in 2016. And whenever we were in our final resting posture, I cried like I had a couple of tears because it was just like it was just what my body needed, what my spirit needed and what my mind needed. Um, and I just continued to go from there. Um, I moved to Korea in 2017 and, you know, I was at this kind of turning point where I was like, okay, you know, living a more, uh, like fasted life, Mm. a more mindful life, just being more mindful of the food that I consumed, the things that I watched, um, all of that. And, um, you know, I just deepen my practice in yoga more and more. And um, I used to practice yoga, like, for hours in the day. Wow! Now I don't um, as much, and I need to get back to that. Um, but I'm just, I'm relearning this balance. I've got, a, you know, a lot going on, but it's up to me to be accountable to balancing that out. Because I know that I have the time. Um, I just have to create that time and space. But, yes, I used to practice yoga for, like, three, four hours, just be in there in a posture, learning it, mastering it. And, um, yeah, I got certified as a um, yoga instructor in 2019. I was actually four months pregnant. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, so I did it mind, body, spirit. Um, I tell people I feel like yoga really – um, contributed to to um, just restoring so much of uh, peace and balance in my life, and that's because of the lessons that yoga teaches you. Um, as you flow, uh, it's a very reflective practice, and that's why I love it.
0: Right. Yeah. That's uh. That's a very beautiful description of like your what yoga means for you, and it just goes in line with my understanding of yoga. I've practiced a little bit. Um, Mm-hmm. My understanding of yoga is that it's always been a meditative, physical, spiritual um, practice, which is also a mental health practice because it is physically and neurologically healthy for your brain and your spirit, and it mm-hmm. it just uses the body to facilitate that growth, that 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 healing, that meditation. I would say, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's a beautiful, like symbiotic cultural practice. But when the people from the land of Caucasia got hold of it, they just kind of put some blonde hair on it and <laughs> and called it stretching with a. blonde hair. <laughs> um,
1: that's why it's like. Yeah. When, whenever I went to um for my training, I went to an ashram, and you know, for people who don't know, when you go to an ashram, you know, you stay there. Um. So I was planning on going overseas initially, but found out I was pregnant, and I was like, "That's probably not going to be." you know the best thing for me to be traveling right. abroad pregnant alone so i went to an ashram in um miami florida and it was beautiful um but that's one of those things that you know uh, we were talking about is what what is appropriate and what isn't it's like this is a cultural you know mental spiritual and physical practice um you know that can be applied uh, you know that other people can apply to their lifestyle, yes, but you know you can't just um, take a corner piece of a practice and put a, some goats with it and then call it <laughs> yoga. You know you have to honor yoga for what it is, and if you you're doing quote unquote like for instance, and this is no, don't come for me, y'all. So this is no hate or anything for like people that do like the goat yoga or yeah. "Quote unquote, like the wine and yoga," quote unquote, but it's like it's especially the the having alcohol with the yoga. Um, it's like that's it's it's an opposite. It's it's in opposition of what you Very know, much. kind of these yogic principles and what you're doing. So it's like then call it Pilates. You know, wine and Pilates, wine and goats. <laughs> you know, goat Pilates. Um, because, you know, that was one of the things that the guru was sharing with us is, you know, something that is a form of appropriation and, oh and, yeah. uh, you know, it's disrespectful in a lot of ways to people that have created this system uh, that helps you align more divinely with yourself, um, you know, with God and the universe and, and nature and the people and things around you. So it's, yeah. That's why I tell people like, uh, I don't too much think what they're doing is yoga, but go, you know, go off. Like, that's what you into. Um, so that's why, again, even whenever I was initially interested in yoga, I kind of just treaded lightly because I didn't have a deep understanding of it and I didn't want it to be out of pocket, you know? Um, so that's how I think people should it will behoove us to approach things just with caution and, uh, you know, and with our curiosities, yes, but understanding that all your curiosities may not be met because there are some practices that, are, that people will gatekeep, and I think that that's totally fine and acceptable. And there are some that they will share. But what they share is to be honored for yeah. what it is and what it was created for.
0: Exactly. A practice like yoga is, is comes from culture, and societies that are rich in expressing their culture, also, also have um, strong connections to self care. So, do you know the the Himba mm-hmm. tribe?
1: Oh yes, yes.
0: Right. So, for the people who don't know the Himba tribe, um, let me tell you. When I saw Black Panther back when it came out, I nearly cried mm-hmm. when I saw the Himba tribe, like actually mm-hmm. represent, accurately represented on yes. screen, because like for a lot of African people the um, that film meant a lot in terms of seeing themselves on screen in a certain way that isn't uh, a caricature of people and I remember like 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 speaking how much I loved that part of it and my friend said um, who is a Canadian uh, first generation Canadian but Jamaican Chinese And she said, "Oh yeah, it wasn't like a big deal. I didn't feel the same way. And it just it it,
1: (laughs) 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 right? But
0: um, but for me, it was an extremely moving experience because I am from Namibia, and the Himba tribe live Mm -hmm. in Namibia, and uh, they are uh, I think about like fifty thousand in population, and they live around the border of northern Namibia and southern Angola." And they're sem- semi-nomadic like, uh, people and have very limited, um, uh, I would say, contact with, quote-unquote, modern society. Um, but what mm-hmm. I want to I use them as an example. So just like, bear with me. This may be a little bit long, but I like to give um, information for our listeners. So the Himba people, especially women... Are famous for covering themselves in ochise uh, paste, which is like a cosmetic mixture of butter fat and I think you say okir, ok- okir, I can't say okire, something like that, okire pigment, which um, it cleanses the skin over long periods of time because of water scarcity. Now, if you don't know, Namibia is an extremely semi arid or desert country. It's extremely dry and rainfall is not. <laughs> a common thing for us, but um, so this 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 paste, this ochize paste, protects them from the hot climate, and uh, hot and dry clim- climate, and as well as um, I think insect bites. And what is beautiful is that it gives the Himba people their skin and and hair, I think hair plaits. I think that's what I would we would say mm-hmm. plaits. Do you say plates?
1: Yeah, we say plaits.
0: Plats. That right. I think it's. Plats or plates either way it's a uh, uh, the pronunciation is from different countries uh, hair plats, Um so it gives the, their skin and their hair plats like this distinctive texture style like this this orange red tinge to it it's extremely beautiful to see like in real life and it's a cultural practice that was born out of necessity to protect their bodies to live with nature mm-hmm. so this red clay that they rub on their bodies is so deeply rooted in their culture but it's also a way for them to take care of themselves it's also a physical manifestation of self-care right Mm -hmm. so this is where i want to use the practice of like um, this is where i see the practice of them using their clay as an analogy for self-care for mental health so you see for me self-care is like the layer of protection you apply to your psyche that helps put a barrier against the conscious or unconsciously psychological damage that we inflict upon each other as human beings and i connect this to the sacredness that many traditions attribute to their hair and i see it as practiced all over the world but specifically i'm aware of black and brown people all over the world who do this i'm not so clued up about Mm -hmm. what happens in the land of caucasia so if there's any white people out there listening that have a tradition of taking care of like their hair that don't begin and end with pantene, then let me know.
1: <laughs> you said with protein. Pantene. <laughs> pantene. <You're so> <laughs>
0: but um. You so yeah. Silly. So like, self care really is a way to protect your psyche from what mm-hmm. the world, you know, what we inflict upon each other. What do you think about that?
1: I agree. I agree. Self care is a just like, it's. Protection. It's insurance. It is uh, recovery planning. Um, it's preparation. It's all of those things.
0: Yeah, because honestly, we
1: is. know that. Yeah, you know when we leave our homes, when we open up our phones and excuse me, tune in to uh, you know what's happening in real time on social media or on the news that it's only so much protecting that we can do as far as what we, what we do and we don't see. And I mean, we can manage our feeds really well. We can do all of that, but you know, content has a way of finding its way, you know, through those, through other avenues. So how do you recover from that? You know, how do you recover from dealing with wounded people that, you know, are just looking to wound, you know, other people around them are just looking to bleed wherever, right? Or how do you protect yourself from people with, um, you know, tendencies, uh, everybody's big on, I don't even want to use the word, it's a buzzword, narcissistic tendencies, you know, everybody, right, you know, but these, yeah, these tendencies and these, uh, characteristics of people that are, you know, will pull from you or will not, um, that are just, I tell people, they, they may be morally challenged. They may be challenged in these different ways, but how do you protect yourself from these interactions that you're going to have with these people? And that's consistently uh, by consistently taking care of yourself. So uh, I tell people that self-care is your number one job and priority. You know, because if you don't do it um, and you let yourself fall by the wayside, you will fall by the wayside. I guarantee you to you that. You know, um, so you have to be putting yourself, um, you know, making yourself a priority. And, and that looks different for everybody. Um, so uh, you you people just have to learn to take that time to honor their needs.
0: Yeah, you, you have to carve out a space. Even if it's 15 minutes a day, it is very yeah. important to carve out something where you can just sit and be with yourself or i don't know possibly share it with other people like yoga it does it does also help Mm. so yeah like for me i think i became aware of toxic positivity when i realized that when someone comes to me and they express or they vent that i kind of default into um positive thinking language because it has helped me a lot but what works for me Mm -hmm. doesn't always work for other people right right i've i've been able i've been lucky enough to 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 i guess create systems of awareness and self-care that in moments when i don't have motivation that the systems i've set up mentally and physically that i've set up allow me to continue with what i feel is my work in society what i've chosen is my work, whether it's uh, writing, whether it's recording this podcast, whether it's educating myself or, 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 or being more self-aware and looking at my own flaws, I've been able to be lucky enough to be able to construct a, 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 a pocket of life in that manner. But I've just like realized that that is not the case for the majority of people out there. It was all this whole idea of like toxic positivity was triggered by what I told you earlier, by uh, the microaggressions from colleagues. And I realized what I did was I I bogged. I mean, I kept my head down. I kept my head in the books. I kept my head in my work and I kept my head in taking care of myself. And I realized that it wasn't the positive thinking or the positive language or the affirmations. It was the actual work of self-care that helps me through
1: there it. You go. Yeah, I tell people like, or um, uh, you know, manifesting uh, faith without works is dead. Um, and whenever you're manifesting something, you claiming it is is only a part of it, and that's a you know, I don't want to say a small part, but if you're not working towards anything and those goals, then. At this point, you're just running your mouth. you just sing a song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that's why my big thing is, like, uh, how are you putting yourself in position to make yourself better and to take care of yourself to be a better and healthier version of you? So uh, your faith without works is dead. Your manifestation without action uh, does not come to pass. Um, so I think that that's where also, you know, those are those conversations that will help to avoid, you know, that toxic positivity where it's like, cause some, like I say, some people it's like, just think, think, you know, positively enough. And it's going to change everything. It's like, well, no, 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 no not really, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think that there's just, there's a way that, you know, we have to balance things and uh, learning that while yes, we, we, we need to stay positive, but we also need to be realistic, right? Um, and we also have to remember to celebrate like the wins, even when they're small. Because when you celebrate your small wins, you don't have to worry about being overly positive because you are using what is actually there and what you're working on and working towards and saying, hey, oh, well, you know, I am doing well. It's not all bad, right? But then you don't have anybody coming up, you know, with a bunch of daisies and with rainbows and sunshine and it's like hey everything is great it's going to be great and (laughs) mom's like well cool your jets i ate breakfast this morning and for me that was a win yeah (laughs) there we go there we go so (laughs) yeah like
0: i think that like a, a lot of like positive thinking for me has at least when i talk to other people around it has come with the intention i'm trying to help them but actually Right. There is a massive difference, and I've said this before, but there's a massive difference between like your impact. I mean, your intention and your impact. So yes, my intention may be to 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 help them, but the impact mm-hmm. often is that I'm forcing positive thinking on people, and then that dampens yeah. or dismisses dismisses their feelings, and that's the impact. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So we really do have to be careful about. Um, what, what our intentions are, the impact for yourself, you can start with yourself, and in that way, yeah. um, when you figure that out for yourself, it will just become part of the way you treat people. <sighs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think I've said all I want to about toxic positivity, and like you said, celebrate your wins when you can.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like for us, mm-hmm. recording mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. is a win. <laughs>
1: It is, and y'all, I gotta say, I'm very appreciative that Ivor was patient with me, it's been a very hectic month and a half for me, so we were able to get on, and I'm just so excited and, like I say, honored to just be a part of this.
0: The honor is all mine, I've been wanting to, like, have someone with your kind of, I would say, your brand of, of um, I don't want to use the word activism, but your brand of, Moving through the world with intention is something that has always inspired me too. So that's mm-hmm. one of the defining things that I learned from you in our, what, four years of friendship, I would say? Three years?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know, just be well, celebrate some wins, write down what, what your small wins would be for today or for this week even. Yeah. And when you accomplish them celebrate them tweet tweet us at us let us know that you got a small win
0: yeah that's a wonderful way of um spreading positivity is deciding what you put on your feed right so you tweet the positivity yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that was actually a very nice summary is journal write down what you feel to help you make sense of the world mm-hmm. and celebrate your wins thank you everyone mm-hmm. so much for listening if you like this episode, please share it with a friend or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And again, a very big and uh, uh, deep thank you to Gabrielle for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. Y'all be well.
0: All right. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>